0: faith with Nael Lupondwana 7 to 8 pm
1: We go thank you very much Midubi. he comes back at eight o'clock and at nine o'clock to update the news right here on sfm leading the conversation we're together until nine o'clock that's just a hint in case you know good evening and welcome you're listening to facts of faith this is the first of two hours my name is Naye Lupondwana. we are together until nine o'clock we have a lot lined up for you hopefully we'll be able to present it to you but before we even get down to the nub of the issue i do wish that you could join in the conversation as we open the conversation right now send your text messages and your voice notes i'd like to hear what you have to say in the matter so that as we continue with the conversation we have what you think and hopefully we can play your opinions as we go have a little few glitches happening on our side but we're hoping to manage all of those as we continue. Our question for tonight, and this is a question I do believe is very simple. Are South African faith leaders complicit where high stats of GBV are concerned? We have seen the numbers ever increasing while other numbers like crime that has to do with robbery and all all those, they fluctuate some one year, they're up one year, they're down But as far as GBV is concerned, it would appear as though the numbers keep going up. We are not quite certain what can or should be done by religious leaders, but we know for a fact that they should be able to do something. I don't know what it is. At the recent GBV summit, religious leaders have been blamed for turning a blind eye on gender-based violence, specifically Within their own churches or within their religious organizations. The Presidential Summit on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide in Johannesburg on Wednesday revealed this. And I'm not quite sure, again, if this is something that they all accept or agree with. But this is what came out at the summit. The Presidential Summit on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide on Wednesday uh, revealed this matter. And I thought perhaps it would be interesting for you. Tell us what you think. What do you see as the role played by your religious leaders was the second presidential summit on gender-based violence and femicide. Exactly four years to the day where a pledge was made to end the violence that men perpetrate against women and children in South Africa. Now, you see that perhaps I, I stalled a bit there when I said men, because there's a growing conversation, a growing debate around this issue, around whether it is men or some men, or whether we should even be qualifying that not all men are trash. It's another conversation altogether, but I'm just explaining why you heard that stall there in our conversation. The first presidential summit on GBV and femicide in 2018, the president addressing the guests said, after the summit, this is what he said, after the summit, he requested Parliament presiding officers, and to all, to call, to everyone. He threw a call specifically to those who are in leadership to call a special joint sitting of both houses, both houses of parliament, to announce the action plan to be adopted. Hmm? The plan, he said, was embraced by members of parliament representing all political parties, and we're not quite sure how far we have gone since then. years down the line how far have we come through being quiet when they see gbv happening they it would have appeared that they could have done something again i know you're probably going to be asking what because that's what i'm also asking what can religious leaders do surely these are not police officers who can come and arrest somebody What can we do? What do we want them to do? If they can do something, are they doing it? That's our question for today. Are South African faith leaders complicit where GBV is concerned? I'm Nayelu Pondona. This is Facts of Faith on SFM. Let's begin. The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual. Equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and, as such, is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests, and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly.
0: Nayelu Lupondwana on SAFM.
1: few glitches behind the scenes, but we're working on them, so we'll continue with what we can do for now. Let's check our time. My time says it's 15 minutes after 7. Let's jump right in. We do have on the line, and we do have a regular guest She's part of the furniture, quite frankly. Mahmoud Zipet is a member of the Baha'i Faith, as we all know. Members of the Baha'i Faith are just as capable as any clergyman to articulate the positions of the Baha'i Faith. Mahmoud good evening to you and welcome back. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good
2: evening, Okay.
1: That's
3: a good one. Good evening. evening. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right.
1: Um, Momos Peta, would I go with you? Because we're still struggling to get connected to all of our guests at the same time. So permit me to abuse you first. We're talking about the issue of gender-based violence. I don't know if this is the best question to ask you because you don't really have Clergy, you don't really have religious leaders. Uh, I'm sure, I'd love to hear your take. Do you find that religious leaders are complicit as far as GBV are concerned? Is concerned?
2: Yeah, good evening. As you correctly say, really in the Bahai faith, we the one of the laws that came is the abolition of clergy. And but in having said that, we there the is still leadership in whatever form or it is also the individual believer looking at this i would say generally this a painful truth that uh, somehow leadership faith leadership in 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 essence i would say is complacent and sometimes really instead of alleviating this stage this this pandemic Instead, these too often exacerbated gender based violence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the reality you can run away from. And as a Baha'i, in the Baha'i faith again, we do not have any text that would text or scripture that would ever really promote the superiority of the stronger gender or men, if you like, over women or children. And so. The mis the interpretation and again as Bahais we know the interpretation and the understanding of any script scripture scripture is actually a responsibility given to an individual hence there is no clergy so nobody could come and say my understanding says I must beat my wife or my abuse my child or whatever
4: yeah
0: that's
2: generally but to come directly to the answer really uh, they would say. As society, as individual believers and as collective, whether we have clergy or not, we are not um, vocal enough. We are not uh, condemning enough. We, I would say sometimes you like on the fence and this cancer is just spreading and spreading. And also as a Baha'i, we should be, not not only as Baha'i, everybody actually, we should really 100% condemn this, not only condemn, also make sure we, we the, the, like in the Baha'i faith, with the law and the principle of equality, it should not be a slogan. It should not be a, a, a nice saying, This a nice principle. Yeah. It should be practiced in homes, in society, in neighbourhoods, in everywhere. It should not be about there maybe resources or whatever. It should be actually practice.
1: Tell me, Mammus Peto, what what exactly can your leaders do? Really? I'm talking about what can literally affect the numbers going up. I'm hearing you saying the leaders are not condemning it enough as though condemning it is going to change anything. Uh, they are not uh, talking, they are not loud enough. Really, I've, I've heard this ad nauseum that people need to condemn it as though abusers or criminals or evil seeds to condemnation. Condemn them all you like, but they continue anyway. How many times have we spoken against crime, but criminality continues continue. in this con- so what exactly do we expect religious leaders to do about GBV?
2: Uh, my take would be uh, the, commun- the religious leadership and communities should have practical um, activities in building communities in cre- that will, it will focus on building communities that will focus on getting rid of violence uh, one take I can take, for example, is to engage in the funda- in the fundamental issues, who we are, what our purpose is in life, how are we to relate to one another? For example, we have talked about family. What do we understand about family? Because the patriarchy or the stronger one starts there, how do we do this. So, my take it that education. I know again we we'll say we have seminars, we talk about this, but now not just education in whole education on what is what is our role, what is the role of boys, what is the role of girls. Not again looking at what are the issues. What it, taking in, especially in South Africa, violence. I would say it comes from a long history of uh, not. Not, not, not necessarily promoting it, but realizing that we—it's a product. This gender-based violence is a product of a long history of subjugating women into being inferior. And the government and society also have a role to play, especially in educating, in talking, in making sure these things are, are dealt with. Okay. Practically, okay, yeah, practical. yeah, not just condemning, but how do I raise my boys, for example? How do I talk with my boys? I have three boys. How, how how do they see themselves to their sisters? How do they see themselves to their wives? Yeah. So my daughters as well, I have two daughters. How do they see themselves in the society? Got it. This Got it. The practical things.
1: Okay. Yeah. Now take note, South Africa. What Momuzpete is talking about is what can be done by society and families. This is not about religious leaders. And I still am curious to hear what is it that is expected of religious leaders? Let's bring in another guest. Daniel Ginrich is a longstanding social H- HIV and gender activist and a lay canon I'm not quite sure what that would mean, perhaps uh, Daniela will will clarify, in the Anglican Diocese of Natal. She has extensive experience as an NGO director, consultant, and workplace leadership and life coach. That's a CV and a half. Daniela holds three master's degrees, the last in gender, religion, and health, and has led a number of publication projects. Daniela again, Rich, joins us on the line to give us some perspective on this. Good evening, Daniela, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us.
3: Good evening, Naya. Thank you so much for this invitation and greetings to your listeners. too.
1: Am, am I understanding that you're a lay preacher or a lay priest in the Anglican Diocese of Natal?
3: I have been for 20 years. Okay. I am currently um, on a little bit of a break. Okay. Um, because I've, I'm very involved also um, in a national movement um, called We Will Speak Out South Africa, which also hosts a national faith action to end gender-based violence, which okay. is an interfaith movement. Okay. Um, so we, we work also more broadly.
1: Okay, okay. Let's jump right in, Daniela. Yes. What exactly are we talking about here? We're talking about religious leaders being complicit. Are they? Do you find that religious leaders are complicit where GBV is concerned? Well, should I say, are you, since you're part of the gang?
3: <laughs> so, uh, what I can tell you is that the face sicker is very fractured. There's a lot of uh, diversity, and um, I think throughout history, in all religions, there's been basically two, two trajectories or traditions. The one has been kind of the kings and the priests and the hierarchies and those whose main interest is to maintain the institution and the power relations that they hold in society. And um, and they are mostly men, and they have a particular interest to keep things as they are. And then you have the prophetic tradition or the activist tradition, which has always existed too, which has continued to, to raise um, uh, uh, concerns around all sorts of social justice issues, and particularly also gender-based violence. And so while I can say yes, the, uh there is a majority of uh, senior faith leaders in in many traditions uh, who prefer to silence these issues because of the shame and the potential division and the potential challenges to the stability of the institutions that would prefer to be quiet about these things. And uh, at the same time, there is the prophetic tradition. Now, I'm talking about if there is abuse internally. It's much easier for faith leaders to speak out against gender-based violence in society because of the sense that it isn't really affecting them. And it's also easier to talk about gender-based violence if one doesn't have to talk about some of the underlying drivers of it. And I'm afraid to say that um, particularly in the Christian churches that I know more about, but also in some of the other faiths, there has been a, a misuse of sacred texts to to promote the dominance of the male and the submission of the female, which creates a kind of power imbalance which can really um, make it possible, gender-based violence to be condoned or maybe in some circumstances even to be kind of promoted in a sense of needing to discipline those that are, you know, the wives that are not submitting and, and that kind of thing so there is a kind of a distortion that takes place but there's also a very strong movement that is growing that is speaking out um, and and exposing some of these misuses Mistranslations of, of sacred texts to promote these kinds of very destructive attitudes and behaviours. Um, yeah.
1: So, what what exactly would you expect religious leaders to do in order to fight and end, perhaps start by reducing it and then ending gender based violence?
3: So, I think we at, at first and foremost we need to reclaim our faith traditions. Um, and our sacred texts and the liberatory natures of many of our sacred texts, which can speak against some of the misinterpretations and misuse and speak out using those traditions uh, in a positive way. Given that um, over 80% of our population ascribe to a religion, we have a huge responsibility to speak out and to indicate that There is no excuse at any point for any kind of gender-based violence, in fact, for any kind of violence. And so um, it's really important that, uh, that, and I don't know why, in society in general, and of course if we are, if it's over 80% of us who ascribe to a particular religion, then we are all complicit and we can't just point fingers at faith leaders. Mm
1: -hmm. We have
3: to say, how can we be quiet about gender-based violence, but we make a lot of noise about crime and, mm-hmm. and corruption mm-hmm. and all these things as long as we're not complicit. And it makes one wonder if it's something to do with an inherent long tradition of disrespect for the dignity of women and children that has made it so difficult to speak out against these kinds of abuses which, which cannot ever be justified on any basis.
1: I'm not quite sure I I got your answer there. Are you saying this is not something to be done by religious leaders, but society in general?
3: Yes, I'm saying that. But I'm saying also that religious leaders have a huge responsibility to take the lead because religions have such a deep influence from baptism to the funeral on um, how we understand ourselves, our relationships, our sexuality, Our identities and uh, how we use our power in our relationships. So, yes, faith leaders have a special responsibility, but I think what I'm saying is that um, we can't just be pointing fingers in one direction without recognizing that we all have that same responsibility to say, you know, we don't know how we got to this point, but we cannot tolerate it any further. uh, It undermines our our human dignity, our relationships, and, and our humanity.
1: Okay. Let me just put it out clearly So that we all are on the same page We have had conversations About what should be done by men We've had conversations About what should be done By the law enforcement agencies Mm -hmm. And what society Mm -hmm. should be doing Our conversation Mm -hmm. for tonight Is about religious leaders And I'd like us to focus Mm -hmm. our attention On just religious leaders Not to say everyone else Has no responsibility We're talking about What can and should be done By religious leaders Are we okay on your Well,
3: no, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I'm saying faith leaders have a particular responsibility because of the level of influence and they, they work with people at their most vulnerable. And so, so the importance of the faith sector and faith leaders in speaking into this issue is absolutely critical. And uh, and and because our all of our attitudes and our socialisation are deeply influenced by our religious upbringing, I think also because of you know religious leaders in a way have incredible power because they invoke the the voice of God in a way which. When used irresponsibly, can cause so much more damage. What do you mean by used else?
1: irresponsibly? What is it that um, is irresponsible use of the word of God? What are you referring to?
3: So, if we um, if we teach using sacred texts that male are uh, males are superior and men should dominate and should be uh, the leaders in all spheres and women are inferior and need to submit to the authority of men in all and every circumstance. We are, in a way, misusing scriptures, and and particularly the Bible itself is contradictory in many of these kinds of of teachings. Um, And if we pick and choose the scriptures that promote particular kinds of power relations um, that do harm, we end up um, using uh, and invoking the word of God irresponsibly.
1: Okay, um, I'll, I'll yes. come back to you. We'll, we'll engage um, on that. I want to bring in our third guest, Prophet Lakhid yes. Lubepe, senior pastor of TLC Churches, media personality, a robust human rights activist. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's an interesting one. Graduate of five universities in South Africa and environmental assessment practitioner, by profession prophet lupepe joins us on the line good evening to you prophet prophet and and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us
0: Good evening, someone called you Brother Nye. Good evening, Brother
1: Nye, and good evening, sure. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that I can accept. <laughs> that one I accept, Prophet. Yes. Do, do tell me, do you accept that um, uh, the charge that religious leaders are complicit where GBV is concerned? Gender-based violence is progressing in part because l- religious leaders are complicit. Do you accept that? Is that true? What's your take?
0: Um... Many religious leaders who are probably listening will share my same sentiment that to even hear such a suggestion it's a disappointment to say the least. To, to For someone to even make that suggestion that there's complacency within the interfaith community towards gender-based violence, that person would either be ignorant, one, or they are not informed about what is happening in our country. Number one, all campaigns, protests, organizations community-based organizations that are, are are standing against gender-based violence all of them are interfaith formations all of them are church formations including the one that our first a uh, 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 guest mentioned that she's involved with the church is on the forefront if anything that is why even in this second uh, presidential summit on gender-based violence that the president gave the interfaith community was a key stakeholder. We as pastors and churches are involved. I don't know how many times I've been called to people's houses, how many times I have taken bleeding women in my car to the police station, how many times I've been in courts signing statements and you know, bearing state witness to people that have been assaulted. For someone to come and say, no, there's complaisance. That person is sleeping somewhere. We don't know what they are looking at, but I'm telling you, there's no complacence at all. I hope you allow me in this show to tell you what can be done to resolve this thing. Okay. Because I'm telling you, uh, number one, the, 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 we must understand that the church, it's not a law enforcement unit. So we need to understand where our, our function comes in. What needs to be done? If that's the question? What must we do as the church? Mm-hmm. I would say, Let's march to the union buildings. Let's go and demand the amendment of the Criminal Procedure Act because it sabotages our effort to fight gender-based violence. A man who pays five hundred for slapping a woman will do it again, as long as people keep the Criminal Procedure Act keep allowing these perpetrators to pay five hundred. People are paying a minimum of two hundred thousand for commercial crimes, but to slap a woman you pay 500 and you leave, or you have police coming to your house to scare you with a paper that they call protection order. It's not going... That's why men are so violent. There is poor consequence management within the CPA until we say to the Minister of Police and the Minister of Correctional Services that people who kill women and chop them into pieces, like a gentleman who was referred by the president who raped a child and slaughtered that child into pieces... Such people don't deserve to live in our society. Criminals, I mean, death sentences must be imposed on such people. As long as we have got this poor consequence management and poor criminal liability within the law enforcement itself, we are not going to overcome this. So I'm saying to churches, let's not march again. Let, we have been marching, we've been picketing, mm-hmm. we've been wearing black t-shirts, we've been saying enough is enough. Right now we must go and tell the president that the criminal procedure act we have prescribed is too weak to deal with the violence that is in South Africa. We demand harsh sentences to perpetrators because unless we do that, we've been talking, we've been marching, we, we don't need another match. We need harsh sentences. A man who assaults a woman should not come out within 24 hours with a bail of 500. They should be confined to prison. For a minimum of six months, they should remain there even under trial. If bail should be decided on any common assault, a minimum, I would suggest, 10000 rent upwards. Once people know that there is harsh consequence management to gender-based violence, don't blame the church. Once you come to the community and say, pastors are not talking religion, this, you are like someone who is blaming a fish for not being able to climb the tree. It's not our jurisdiction. It is a <laughs> criminal issue. <laughs> it must be dealt with as a criminal issue. These criminals must be locked up and we must refuse <laughs> nice. to release them.
1: Uh, just, just hold on there, <laughs> Mabuzpet. I'll, I'll give you next to, to comment. Uh, I just want to just engage uh, uh, Prophet Lupepe here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing, Prophet. The, the, fish, the <laughs> fish climbing a tree part got me there. <laughs> Do tell me <laughs> (laughs) Do tell me first before we even continue, just for for, for factual purposes, remember this is facts of faith and so we need to get our facts straight. There mm. is no amount that has uh, been rendered to be 500. The judge or the magistrate decides on how much bail would be given or handed no, down for the person. It is, is Hold on, hold on, Prophet. Uh, mm. So it, it is a decision of the judge or the magistrate during the bail sentencing situation or the bail hearing. And as far as the act, the changing of the act, you're barking up the wrong tree. The president does not make up acts. The president signs the acts that have already been put together by members of the National Assembly, after all the houses have read through all of these and consultations and all those processes. So the president has absolutely nothing to do with making up laws, he simply agrees to them and signs it there into law. So I don't know how you would be providing a solution if you're going to go to the president. But I want to ask you a question. You Mm. keep on pushing it back to other people, the police, Mm -hmm. this, um, the magistrates, this, the president, this, the Mm -hmm. law, this. Tonight, we're asking about yourselves. Are you therefore saying there is nothing else you can do as religious leaders? Are you throwing your hands in the air and saying this matter is going to continue because we have marched enough, we have spoken enough, we have done everything? Is there nothing that you can do as religious leaders, Prophet?
0: What the criminal justice is not doing is sabotaging our efforts as the church. Talking is not going to make
4: people... Tell us what you
1: can do, Prophet. I understand what can and should be done by other players, but we're looking at yourselves now as religious leaders. What can be done by religious leaders? What
0: we must do as religious leaders is to do what I'm doing now. Criticize a weak criminal system. That is not arresting criminals and perpetrators. That is too lenient on people who are killing our children and women. We should be doing that. We should convert our sermons into boycotts against weak criminal systems. That's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be marching again. We have done enough. We have, we, we have established faith-based, community-based organization, 14 days of activism. We've been doing all of that in this country right now the ball stops in the courts and in the prison. If those people don't help us to do what we are so eager, I'm telling you right now, I have transported countless Yeah, you've said that. I don't want you to repeat it
1: there, Prophet. We heard that loud and clear. No one is disputing what you have done.
0: I wanted to respond to the issue where you were saying that uh, the magistrate decides on, on, on the amount of the bill. People came even before they appeared in the court. What I'm saying is there are loopholes there that if we do not close those loopholes and give harsh sentences to, to perpetrators, and when we are supposed to be looking at that, then you turn and you say, that it is the interfaith community. You are talking to people who don't have guns, you know, to threaten this. Granted,
1: kind of granted. What are you saying? I need you to be very clear there, Prophet. Are you therefore saying there is yes. nothing else you can do?
0: Nothing else wow. that can be done. We have done enough. Mm-hmm. What we are mm-hmm. saying, we I need don't... the help. Wow. We now need the help the cooperative help of the criminal justice this is a criminal matter we are faith-based organizations so we are not going to deal with it as if it's a doctrine if people (laughs) are raping people it's a sexual (laughs) offense it's not it doesn't need a verse it needs a a prison it needs a person to be arrested and never
4: come out
1: yeah, J- just again as a, as a reminder that we have had people who have been to prison and came out and continued where they left off. Let's go back to Mamouz Ped. Mamou you've been aching to jump in. Go ahead. Uh,
2: no, I, I want to say, Nae, you're asking a really, a very clear question. What could religious leadership all do? Number one, what is the purpose of religion? It's to enforce a, 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 carry on the process of spiritual education and social empowerment. And this spiritual, because for example, take, take any law, let's say this thing. I know, even in the Bible, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. But I don't kill because I'm afraid of police. Yes, I'm not saying what the prophet is saying is, is not that, it's valid. But as a member of religious community, is to work with the heart. Like the lady said, we go back to the fundamentals in the scripture. How should I behave? Not to fear the police, not to fear the law, but to be a human being. To know that my wife, my husband, my child, there is oneness of of humanity here. And if I'm violent to that person, that other person, whether it's my neighbor, I'm violent to myself. That needs Spiritual education, which is the role of the religious, and unfortunately, as I say, that's why I, I I know I also work with communities. I I know when I'm saying we are complacent as a religious communities because, like the lady said, sometimes it's too much ashamed, especially if it involves our own. And but we end up there in the halls, in the temples, in the pulpits, okay, in the streets, but. How, what are we getting saying to the individual to transform? What we need here, in my, in my opinion, is individual transformation about who am I? What does God want if I'm a believer? If, but even if I, I don't believe in God, there's something I believe in. No custom, no tradition can promote this. Or be complacent about this. I'm, con- I'm not ashamed to say we are complacent. Yes, we are marching. Yes, we are shouting. Yes, we are blaming the government. Yes, we are blaming the police. But come to transformation of heart. I think what we need now to emphasize whatever scripture we read must aim at transforming their hearts. Okay. Then there will be the practical issues where it's our own, we don't sweep it under the carpet. Those things
1: are uh, a day all right right, let's
2: need transformation of heart that's my
1: life yeah I, and now i want us to to go back to what um uh, uh daniela suggested is an incorrect uh representation of the scriptures do you want to give yes. us examples daniela of the scriptures that have been incorrectly presented to people or abused use the word abuse mm. sure
3: so I can do that, but before that, I would just like to to um, to thank Prophet for his his overt commitment to address gender-based violence. But I would also like to say, as um, one of the people that was part of the delegation of, at the summit, there is so much pain out there among survivors of violence about how much we have failed them as the faith mm-hmm. sector. And we have to accept that. We have to take it on board and we have to examine ourselves. And exactly what you say, we not only have to look at the scriptures, but we also have to look at some of our practices. And just to say, lastly, around the Criminal Procedures Act, it has just been amended. During the last few months, in fact, from 2020 onwards, there was a process of consultation that went all over the country that listened to us and, and many of us as faith sector, we contributed into that thinking process. And a lot of things have changed in the Criminal Procedures Act. But the reality is, if we don't take responsibility for the way our teachings teach that domination is good, that it is godly, that it is okay, people may easily take that and abuse it. And uh, I mean, a classic one that we hear at um, many marriage services, for example, is the, the scripture from Ephesians 5, if I may use a Christian example. That's all right. Where we, we hear, women submit to your husband uh, mm. uh, uh, as to the Lord. In other words, regard your husband the same you, as you regard your God. Mm. And then uh, later... It says, men, love your wives as your own bodies. But we hardly ever hear that preached. And the <laughs> preface to that entire scripture is verse 21, which says, submit therefore to one another out of reverence for Christ. We never even hear that. And many translations of the Bible even leave that verse, instead of it being the introduction To the whole conversation that Paul makes there about submission and submitting to one another and the different examples he uses, that little verse, which is actually the preface and the introduction, is often hidden in the previous section of the Bible. So there's also something around the way the Bible has been presented to us through translation, through the way it's written, even the way It is laid out in some cases like this one. That is a classic example for me um, how we take isolated verses in Scripture and we don't read the whole passage, which is a profound teaching about how we need to respect one another. Submit to one another means respect one another. Tell me, Daniela. Because the Christ faith in are you, are you, are you, you suggesting
1: that we need to amend or edit or review that verse that says mm-hmm. wives um, uh, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord?
3: What it's I'm concrete. saying is that that is a verse that if you use it in isolation, right, then you are misconstruing it. You are making it a one-way street you are saying that only wives must submit to their husbands, whereas later it says men love your wives as your own body. Who does not submit to their own body? And the whole mm. introduction says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why? Because the spirit of the Bible is that we are all embodiments of Christ ourselves. And so if I abuse you, Naya, whether yes. it's verbally or verbally, or physically or sexually. I am abusing the image of God within yeah. you. Because Genesis one and it's the same in, 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 in the Hebrew yeah, scripture I mean in the in the um, in the Quran and so on as well yeah. is that we are all created in the image of God and hold that image equally within us.
1: Okay, all and, right. Yeah. I, want, I want to open the lines for anyone who'd like to join the conversation. This is your opportunity to join the conversation. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You're listening to all of our leaders saying what they're saying, and I'd love to hear what you have to say. And now I want us to just pick on the uncomfortable parts of our conversation that were left there. Um, mm-hmm. The Prophet is saying, and I'm, I'm asking both of you, and also yourself, mm-hmm. Daniela, the Prophet is pointing out a very clear and a very genuine part that These are religious institutions, not criminal justice institutions. Mm -hmm. And the issue of GBV is Mm -hmm. a criminal matter. How do you respond to that?
3: May I respond
1: to that? Go ahead, Daniela.
3: So what I want to say is that rape, assault, molestation, corrective rape, um, uh, killings, femicide, all those things are the tip of the iceberg. But when you speak to most women, unfortunately, in our society and in our religious institutions, Mm -hmm. gender-based violence is a daily experience. On a daily basis, women are subjected to being silenced, to being sexually harassed when they walk down the street. I know because I have a a teenage daughter who is now um, 20, but when she walks, walks down the street... People, men in cars even stop and make su- su- uh, uh, suggestive remarks to her, undermining her dignity and trying to, uh, in a way, get her into their car, uh, randomly. So,
4: and, sorry, and sorry, and
1: Daniela, I'm I'm really running out of time. I need you to just sorry. tell me w- your response to the, the comment by Prophet that when he says. Yes. It is a criminal matter it's not a religious matter so
3: so what i'm saying is it's not just a criminal matter it's a daily occurrence and our our institutions of faith are here to minister to people in their daily lives and if we cannot address gender-based violence as a daily distortion of our relationships then I don't know what we're doing as faith institutions. We have to address it because it is distorting our daily relationships and our daily lives. And only the extreme versions become criminal matters.
1: All right. So you're saying in their sermons, they must be able to preach against the, yes, the cat whistling.
3: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
1: All right. And then, um, uh, Mahmoud Pete, I'm not quite sure if we are still scratching where it's itching because we're talking about something that is going to effect change. I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure if sermons are going to effect change because we have been hearing sermons and we've been listening Mm -hmm. to all these presentations Mm -hmm. ever since we've had the Christian or the Muslim faith here in this country. I don't know why it is that we're saying should be done because all these things that you have suggested right now are already being done. And the prophet is there at pains to say we've done it all. What do you want us to do?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I I hear him. I hear you now. But as as Daniela's saying, what we're talking here is like a way of life. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's a correct way of life. It's what we have inherited. I don't know how. And unfortunately, let's be honest now. Religion played a role in this because for a long time. This patriarchy, This let's be honest, these were also people of God. It has been, and now it has become an innate culture. I'm not saying explicitly they say go beat, but that's psychological. So we have to unlearn. And as Daniela put it correctly, who Mm. is closer to the people on the ground? Who has more, we know, especially in this country, influence, we are, I don't know, 90% claiming to be religious people. But mm-hmm. if this is where, so I agree, I a certain percentage is a criminal, but criminal is an outcome of extreme cases. But the more dangerous, cancerous activities happen mm-hmm. daily. I agree with Daniela. Hence, I'm coming to religious leaders, religious mm-hmm. believers as individuals. Yeah, and as a co- so you're a saying connecting. they should preach some more. Yes, yeah, not only preaching, be, walk the talk. Mm-hmm. It, 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 uh, being practical i see Sir, like prophet was saying that crime is good take that one but there are those that are not even reported how much do we know do we see people on sunday
1: i need it's i almost I, I need you to respond to what the prophet is saying he's saying all of what you're saying He you should do he's been doing what else do you want him to do
2: we have to do it more i would say let's do it more okay. we as a religious people cannot lose hope cannot
3: be say we have done it all okay because
1: may i may add nothing. one thing no 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 danielle hold on um i want to take okay. some calls i've got five minutes remaining for this conversation okay. we need to try and get some people to join in the conversation as well it's their conversation after all colin good evening colin are you there
4: waiting for you naya good evening good evening thank you for age.
1: waiting colin i appreciate you.
4: five minutes but anyway naya um, the preachers, they preach at the church, and once they are finished preaching, they are finished with their job. Good. They don't negotiate or talk to the parish uh, parishes, and you know ninety percent of any church you go there is woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, they should have a program. The preacher must do his work after service and find out who has got problems at home. Go and, and, and do ministry work there. Speak to husbands, speak to sons, speak to daughters, wherever it is. But it seems to me that the preacher's job is finished. Once the collection plate goes around and it's goodbye, I'll see you next Sunday. The preachers must continue their work Mm 24-7 and make sure that their community, whoever needs help, go to the homes and rectify the help. Do you know, if you can take one sheep and convert one sheep, the angels in heaven will celebrate. So they must go to the men also.
1: Okay. All right.
4: And I the hear the boys you. Yeah. and the girls, whoever is in trouble and convert them. Yeah. Okay. You
1: understand what I'm trying to say now, yeah? I hear you. I hear you. Thank you very much, Colin. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Let's 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 pursue what Colin is saying, Prophet, because um the big issue is 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 for me, and again, this is something that I I got from what Colin is saying that if we had spiritual transformation, if pastors or all religious leaders were effective at converting evildoers to being good doers we wouldn't be having gender-based violence and hence i'm asking the question is it possible that perhaps you really are impotent your sermons really don't serve the purpose you're simply howling and do not convert anybody you're wasting time shouting on pulpits and all those shouts do not convert anybody that's what i'm hearing colin saying Kindly respond Mm -hmm. to that prophet
0: my my response is, is very simple uh I want people to think very clearly. Most of these, most, not all, most, there may be a few in the church, most of these rapists, sexual offenders and perpetrators, are not even in our churches on Sunday. Not true, yes, sir. We have not pastors, not doing, it. Yes. pastors, doing, it. pastors doing it. Not We've got pastors doing it properly. Yeah, Wait, okay.
3: okay. This is a yeah, talk no, show. No, no. Let okay, hold no,
0: on, no. hold on. My guest Daniela. Just talk show. Let me I said I used the English word most.
1: M- n- no most. no Prophet Prophet I
0: was me Prophet talk. Hold, on hold on. Prophet, hold on hold on uh, uh, prophet 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 hold on hold on
1: Prophet hold on hold on Prophet Prophet I need you to hold on hold on uh, we 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 need to try and exhaust this as much as we can. We have two minutes remaining, so I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come back and make your point after the news because we need to get this, at least an answer to this point. So uh, when I'm asking you to speak now, I'm asking you to be as brief as you can because we have yes. one minute between now and the news. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh, let me respond like this. Never blame home affairs for load shedding. Never do that. They are not responsible for electricity. So don't blame the church for a criminal issue. Let's put it where it is. Uh, th- that will be my conclusion for tonight. If you forget anything I said, please remember that GBV is a criminal matter and the cause of it is poor consequence management and poor criminal liability. If we can sort that, I promise you you will see a decline of GBV. I will pause this.
1: All right. I want to remind you again, when you come back after the news, Prophet, we're not leaving it here now, that GBV is merely a symptom of what is already happening inside. And that's the evil that um, Colin is pointing out. Colin is suggesting that the evil that you allegedly are exercising at church did not happen. You did not remove anything. All the sin that you're supposed to be removing at church Is still there. People walk away from the churches, from your sermon, still the same. And they continue to do what they're not supposed to be doing. So it is not a matter of uh, load shedding, being blamed on home affairs. It is load shedding, being blamed on useless coal. The coal you're using to fire up your stations, it's wet and useless. And that's what is pointing out, that you are not able to preach a sermon that will actually convert the GBV violator. And that's what we need you to respond to. When you are not able to convert the sinner, the sinner continues to continue to have sin in his household. What do you do about that? Should we fire those wasteful preachers who waste pulpit time? It's 8 o'clock. It's time for us to go to the news and then we come back after Medubi do Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. That is Madupi. He comes back at nine o'clock to update the news here on SAFM. All right. Um, one text. <laughs> Songa is very, very scathing there. Songe is a colleague here at SAFM. Um Song is a mapek that writes, Religious leaders are among the rotten in our society. That's why their numbers are dwindling and their relevance is challenged, especially among the youth. The abuse in church is seldom lamented and rebuked. They don't pay taxes. They build no schools. Well, actually they do. Or spaces of socioeconomic importance. The black church especially. And the church in general is largely a consuming institute or institution with very little reinvestment in its own society. Woo! So, is. All right, he, he does shows here at SFM. He he weighed in there. Let's go back to the prophet. Prophet, um, you heard both of our guests very uncomfortable with you suggesting that, uh, uh, well, these perpetrators are not in the church. I'm sure you know perpetrators are sometimes the ministers themselves. You've seen yeah. this in the media. Surely that statement was a slip of the tongue, probably a Freudian stuff. You know you should not have said that because it's not factually true. Never,
0: Naya, never, never. I will not retract. I use the English simple word, most. I said most of.
1: And I'm challenging that because you have not conducted any survey to distinguish whether it is most or less. That statement remains factually incorrect.
0: I have a lot of churches and I have have not had one member. You could have a lot of churches. Those churches do
1: not amount to the 59 million South Africans we have in the Republic.
0: what What I'm saying is I am not going to retract on the fact that I'm saying that a lot of sexual offenders and killers and murderers are not churchgoers that is true number two before 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 factor, you go to number two no, no, no. before you go to,
1: to no no Let before you will the get the means. chance you'll get the chance yeah, remember you, asked me you will get the chance profit profit okay. you'll no. get the chance I'm just offering you the opportunity to, to get this abundantly clear I am not expecting you to change if you don't want to change your position I'm simply yes. offering you the the counter arguments that you are going to respond to or not respond to but by okay. the time we conclude this program I must have offered the counter argument and And you respond however you want to respond. Now, I'm saying to you, even if you were to have 500,000 members in your various churches, those 500,000 members do not constitute a sample of the 59 million South Africans we have in the republic. And as such a statement that says most of the violators are not in the churches, would be factually incorrect in the context of of the entirety of the republic. It may be factually correct in your situation where you can suck your thumb, but you have not conducted research within your own people. If I were to ask you now to share with us the survey that you conducted that would reveal these statistics you're giving, you wouldn't have it. So I'm offering you the opportunity to help us understand how you would say, most of these perpetrators are not in the church and yet you have done no research to substantiate that claim.
0: And, unless you are a statistician yourself, you can also not support a counter-argument you are making. You can't give me stats to support what you are thinking. We, we, anyway, have, we
1: have criminal states. We, 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 no, Wait. we do have stats uh, that have been provided by the yes. Republic of <laughs> the Africa. SAPS does provide these stats. These, these do those stats.
0: things say that there are a lot of rapists in the church? those statistics Is a again
1: let, let's remind you again proper those statistics are available with statistics south africa and the crime uh, investigations of the saps the south african police services those stats are available however they do not talk about what's happening within the churches and i'm suggesting hold on hold on hold on and i'm suggesting to you that whether we can not provide stats for or against the argument. The absence of information doesn't give us the right to suck our thumbs and make up statistics.
0: Okay, you know, I don't want to lose time because I really want to respond to what you are saying, but all I'm saying is you are expecting me to provide a proof of what you can provide yourself, you know? I wanted to answer the question of change. Your guests are saying we are not preaching enough, we must change people. There is no. That was Colin. that ha- Yes, there is no sermon that changes anyone. Sermons mm. don't change people. Women would have repented long time ago if someone could change people. There is no one person on earth that was changed by a sermon. People change because of personal choice and confession. Okay. That's why people change. You change because you want, not because you had. In the church, we don't change people; we influence change, yeah. but we don't change people. <laughs> okay. so don't 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 put that responsibility on us okay. and say we should okay. be going around reforming people. Are not robots? They have got free will; they make free choices. Yeah, and if those choices are to kill people. To harm people, then we must deal with those people decisively. All we right. must not deal with mm-hmm. them, we, we use the Bible where we must use a gun. We must never do that.
1: Okay. Um, to both of my guests, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to, to give your concluding remarks and we end this conversation. Uh, two minutes for you, uh, Mamuz Pet, and then two minutes for um, uh, Daniela. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Uh, it's, it's sad what the prophet says, but we won't argue that. Anyway. Many of the reports are not, uh, 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 occurrences are not even reported. Let's pass that. My take would say, is parting words, that religious leadership really, uh, what is required from it is an unequal, uh, unequivocal response that no custom, no tradition, no religious interpretation ever outweighs the obligation, both legal and moral. To eradicate the violence against women and children that one is number number lastly the religious community led by its leaders should really continue vigorously with spiritual education and social empowerment centered on the on assisting growing numbers of individuals who are suffering to apply the spiritual teachings to daily life and to the challenges facing society and those people who conducted you to agree that we cannot lose hope, we have to keep on. And why professor is about transformation, whether it's influence or whatever, but spiritual education will raise individual consciousness, which will lead to collective transformation. And God willing, will have a free, violent society.
1: Inshallah, we
2: cannot have. Okay. Back to others. Yes. We must play our role. They play their role. Got it. And got it. We,
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> Did you <just> say Amen? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Rev. Okay, Daniela, two minutes. Go ahead. First to say
3: Amen and amen, Sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just to uh, a, a couple of things. Um, I also, I'm not going to engage profit because, unfortunately, I think there's certain um, approaches to this that can actually just be avoiding our responsibility, but. I would say, number one, I agree with our sister who said we have to engage in proactive prevention. We go back to teaching people how to live in mutual respect and not misuse the sacred text to create the kinds of power relations that make it possible for violence to take place. Secondly, to recognize that uh, research has shown That over 70% of perpetrators have, at some point, often as children, been victims or witnesses themselves as children or as young people. So there is a desperate need for healing. What are we doing about that? And thirdly, to say, We need to transform ourselves as institutions. We cannot have hierarchical institutions that exclude women, that silence voices of survivors as well as voices of children, and then say that we are opposed to gender-based violence. We can't go and march if in our own institutions we are not inclusive, we are not safe, we preach against certain genders and sexualities and other things that people can't help in terms of their biological makeup, And then say that we're against violence when we even preach violence often in the way that we address these issues. Lastly, to say we need to be able to transform our own institutions, which means not assuming that there are hardly any perpetrators amongst us, but actually creating spaces where survivor voices can be heard, they can report and that they, they know that they will be safe and they will not be stigmatized. For example, in the Anglican Church, there is a safe and inclusive church commission that I'm also part of that has advocated even for changes in the legal system, and every church has its own legal system. I disagree with the Prophet. We also have our legal system of law and order in our, in our different churches, or whether we call them regulations, but that where there has to be space for survivors to speak and for for um, perpetrators even within our structures even if they're the bishop or an archbishop okay have to be called to account
1: all right thank you i want to leave it right there to all of my guests all three of my guests i really really appreciate you coming through and talking to us i your your insights are, are more than more than um, appreciated daniela thank you very much prophet Lubebe, thank you very much uh, thank you very much
3: Thank you so much for the space.
4: Naye Lupondwana on SAFM.